right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Flamin' Hot, which is the fourth this year of these weird but fun brand true stories, except this one's not really super true, but that doesn't matter because it's a fun time anyway. And joining me to talk about it is my buddy Q, David Quinones from the why are we like this podcast right here on the All Points West Network? So uh, we have a great fun conversation coming up. Lots of great puzzle pieces to get into. So that's coming up here in a second. Before we get to it, though, I do got to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And if you really like the show, you can rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods or Spotify. Five stars would be nice, but, you know, just drop a little rating or review. It helps make sure that new people get to check out the show, and that's what we want to keep making happen. Also, you can follow me on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And with that said, let's get to Flamin' Hot. <laughs> I like your little sign in the back there for why are we well, like this. I know this. that you have a, a, a millions of listeners, and I want to, like, I want to siphon them off. Yeah, yeah. I should be doing that move that all network operators do, which is like, like kind of like forcing myself on your feed and pushing feed drops. Yeah. Feed drops, like pushing things. Up. You're going to do a little feed drop a little on feed me drop. And all of a sudden you're like, what no, the no. hell? What, what happened? <laughs> all these movie fans are like, but I like Florida. That's a really nice. I know, yeah. I imagine a lot of your fans are like, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, if you have a problem with freedom, I guess you wouldn't like Florida. I imagine that there's a healthy contingent of pit listeners that are in that camp, firmly in that camp. Oh, yeah. Q's back with us, and we're going to talk about Flaming Hot. How's it going, Um, Q? It's going great. Can you do me a favor? Let me know if my chair is too loud, because uh, I can't keep myself contained. Wait, I thought we were supposed to be talking about Spider-Man across the spider-verse oh um, yeah no no you, you missed out on that one i'm sorry to say ooh. but you know maybe maybe for the third one we'll get you back on for that <laughs> you know we'll see <laughs> no you're excited to talk about this one you you messaged me about how much yeah, you, like you asked me movie. if i could be and your so, token latino to come on and talk yeah, yes. yeah sure i'd be glad to yeah. even though you know mexico and and and, and la are thousands <laughs> of miles away from um puerto rico I'm basically Tony Shalhoub here. Which, on the which podcast, Puerto Rico, anyway. which I'm not yeah. from. I'm from New York, uh, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> sure, man. I'm here for you. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to have you back. It's been a while since you've been on the show. Wait, were you uh, like looking forward to this story being told? Because I mean, you know, and not as a Latino, just as a fan of interesting stories. Not at like, all. did you no, think that this, this was could not make on my a good movie? This was not like like no. the vast majority. And I want to I want to like later on. I want you to try to rank at the end of this. I want you to help me try to rank all the like the quality of these product movies that were in the and have sure, like, a little maybe sure. conversation. I don't know how much you guys have talked about that on the air episode or whatever, but um, Mm -hmm. like just, no, this was not on my radar. This was like one of those things where you hear about it. Somebody mentions it and you're like, Oh, that sounds like it's definitely going to be a movie or whatever. So no, it was not on my radar until it was recommended to me by somebody who has a, a kid the same age as me, um, Mm -hmm. the same age that I, that I, that I have. And said, Oh no, it'll be great. You know? And is also a, a Hispanic person who's like, no, no, I know it sounds corny. I know it sounds like a cheesy movie, but, and it is to some degree, but like you guys should watch this. And that person was right. We, I'm glad we did. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think before we get into puzzle pieces, we should talk about the two main criticisms of this movie really quick. The, the first one, uh, basically being that, uh, you know, it's corny and cliche and kind of TV show-ish yeah. in, in the way that it's put together. But I think that this movie knows exactly, exactly what it yeah. is. And I really don't think that that's a problem. I agree here. with you. I, I, I don't have a problem with that's not one of my chief criticisms of the movie, which I have some. I have quite a few mm -hmm. criticisms of this sure. movie. Um, but it's kind of earnest cornball nature. Like, I feel like maybe we're just not used to it anymore, but like, we used to make a lot of movies like that. We used to make a lot of family sure. movies. We always talk when, when, whenever you and I talk on this podcast, we talk about dying or dead genres. And this is a, mm -hmm. one of those sort of dead genres, right? Where it's like the family sure. movie that is live action, that's not IP based, that is like mm -hmm. just a story that is fit for, you know, everyone like age eight to 100, you know, and, and, and sure. um, so I forgive it for that. And I re and the thing that started our conversation over chat about this um, this movie was me telling you, like, uh, I'm paraphrasing myself a little bit, but basically, like, if we judge movies based on the thing that they're trying to be and how successful they are and being the thing that they're trying to be, like, what's a more successful right. movie this year than this movie? It nailed right. that feel-good family drama, you know, vibe. And, and, and it did it very well. It, it made me laugh a few times. It was, you know, it was... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a little cringy in some some points, especially like I know Eva Longoria loves this Spanglish shit. She loves like like making people think that that's the way that Latinos talk. That we just throw random <laughs> palabras in the middle of our sentences and shit in Spanish. Like that's how we talk. That's showing. To how be fair, Latino when when are. you were drunk back in the day, you did do that quite a bit. Like at I would do that when I was ordering like Roberto's that. taco shop. That was a very specific <laughs> use case, Dave. And it, and it, it worked for both of us. We got better yeah. service because of that. Okay, that was a pragmatic decision. It was a business yes, decision. Of course. Well, the, the other chief criticism of this movie is the fact that it's bullshit. Yes. Um, the, the story did not happen the way that it's presented here. And again, just like that first criticism, I think that this movie is just setting out to tell a fun, inspirational story regardless of the truth of it. And so, again, like, yeah, it's bullshit, but does it matter? I, I think, so. think so. And here's why. And here, I, that, that not, not in the... You know, when you read the article about it or when you read a, a lot of the sort of contemporaneous reporting about it and then also about the production of the movie, you'll hear that um, Ava Longoria was the director of this movie. Ava Longoria, many people know from, you know, Desperate Housewives and just sure. being like Miss It in the 2000s. I think a lot of her, uh, like the way that she would bat away that criticism is that the scenes that were less accurate or the plots that were less accurate, she said, and this is kind of bullshit, but she would say, well, that's the way it should have been. That's the way that it honors <laughs> his story. And like, specifically, yeah. I'm thinking about the stand up and clap, the, you know, the sort of um, the, uh, you know, little hint to my first puzzle piece, the Norma Ray scene that people say, um, you know, didn't happen. That is like, ab abjectly mm -hmm. did not happen. The, you know, him standing on the table, organizing the, the labor and you sure. know, getting everybody behind, that didn't happen. Um, but whatever, I don't care about that. What I care more about is it in relation to reality um, in, in terms of like what Disney and Hulu are trying to say and what they very pointedly and specifically won't say. The things that they'll come up to the edge of the cliff of saying and what mm -hmm. that character, probably a, a real life version of that character in that moment would have done, which is like, you know, organize his fellow workers. Like, why don't we unionize? I think that this is all ironic because, like, Frito-Lay actually did have an enormous um, uh, strike. They had to go on strike in 2021. Um, hmm. So a lot of this stuff is, 
apocryphal. It didn't happen the way that it, it happened. I just wanted to, I, I pulled this from USA Today's article, fact-checking this, where it said they, their, their response that they got from Frito-Lay, because don't forget, this is a fucking commercial. This is a, sure, this is sure. a 90 minute or two hour commercial. Um, yeah. And this is a quote from Frito-Lay. This was their statement. Montañez's story, uh, that's Richard, uh, Richard Montañez, the main character of this movie. His story yeah. uh, told from his point of view, that's what this movie is. His contributions to Frito-Lay are highlighted throughout the film, specifically his insights and ideas on how to better serve Hispanic consumers and engage the Hispanic community. A legacy PepsiCo continues today. We're grateful to him for that and hope people enjoy the film. And you know what? That's letting Frito-Lay off the hook a little bit because, mm. uh, you know, we'll get into the criticism a little bit more. But I, I, I overall, I, I walked away from this movie with some questions about the way that it's presenting the idea of brown capitalism. And, mm. um, you know, we can get into it a little bit more, but uh, all in all, it was, it's by, if you're listening out there and you're trying to decide, um, to watch it, like, don't let me a crusty cynical person, you know, stop you from watching this with your kid. I had a great time, watched it with my daughter. It's a bilingual movie. So it was great for us. It was a little Disney fied in the messaging, but, um, yeah. overall it was, it was a fun family movie that you just don't, you don't see many movies like this anymore. Yeah, no, absolutely. But with that, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces. What do you have for your first one? My first one I kind of alluded to a moment ago, which is 1979's Norma Ray. Sure. Directed by Martin Ritt, starring Sally Field, Bo Bridges, Barbara Baxley. Uh, I wanted to highlight this movie because it kind of shows the importance of like the working class coming together to preserve their way of life in the in the face of globalization. Um, so it has a lot in common with that. And there is a very specific Norma Ray moment, right? The the proud worker who is, you know, busting his ass and has gotten the short end of the stick his whole life, standing up and addressing directly other people in the same in the same situation, knocking down those walls that that sort of our individualistic society built for us, where we like don't worry about the person, the our fellow worker, our fellow, you know, um, class, uh, you know, participants. We don't think about them that much, and we need somebody to stand up and say, "Hey, you know, nothing happens here without us and without our hard work." And right. I thought, again, going back to like that, that, that criticism I have, they come right up to the edge and you can never mm -hmm. have a Disney movie that's going to say words like, you know, solidarity or union yeah. or organize yeah. or anything, which is really what those people should have done. Um, yeah. That is what Norma Ray uh, and the real life version of Norma Ray, Crystal Lee Sutton, who was a real person, a union organizer in North Carolina, um, did. And whereas in 1975, she organized that union and got shit canned in 1979 on some bullshit insubordination allegations, Richard Montañez went the different way, which I think shows how, um, how, how well capitalism and the corporate world has sharpened its, uh, its weaponry to take yeah. a guy like him or a person like Crystal Lee Sutton and instead of turn them into an enemy, kind of absorb them into the Borg and, and be like, sure. oh, no, now sure. you're management too how's that feel yeah so and the, the way tony shalhoub like kind of uh delivers his lines like he makes himself out to be like a hero but really he's doing it for his own interests yeah like, presented as virtuous yeah exactly yeah I, but there, yeah. there is a moment like when you when you go from the class of people who are the talent who are the worker who are the idea people who make it happen um when you go from that to becoming you know, to, to getting absorbed into the people who are profiting just off of the work of those people, that's a big moment. And that's something that we, I think in our, in our culture, in our cultural artifacts, like movies and TV, we should examine more. And we don't, we kind of, especially 
more like latter day we kind of wash over that and it takes like really obscure movies like like um like sorry to bother you like uh mm. to, to 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 address that and then they're kind of innately or like inherently marginalized because it's like oh it's a black movie made by a musician and you know it's kind of silly that it even got made and more mainstream fare like this you'll never see disney greenlight a movie where you're sure. talking about yeah. that tension of like oh well now you're a parasite how does that feel mr montanias you know you hated those parasites forever and now you're one of them you know it's right. you know not the kind We're of thing i'm going to talk about deep. with my daughter when she's nine but like <laughs> yeah. it's still it's a tension that exists there and it exists in our life yeah absolutely. how about you Dave? Yeah, let's go to my first one, which is an obvious one, but I think it's uh, one that has to be in the conversation. Uh, there's barely a brand in food bigger than Frito-Lay, but McDonald's might be it. Okay. And the founder with Michael Keaton uh, about the creation of the McDonald's brand and everything that went into uh, creating that brand and spreading it and just it like wildfire just growing. I think, you know, something we said when we were kind of messaging back and forth is uh, about how like Air, for example, uh, which the founder also came up during, you know, has a lot more of like a nostalgic factor to it. But I actually kind of disagree with you. I think seeing these classic chip bags, you know, the ones that we went out and bought with 50 cents or whatever back in the day, like there's a lot of nostalgia here. And the founder also captures that really well with just, uh, you know, all the classic McDonald's branding and the buildings and the way that the food came. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And so there's a lot of nostalgia for food in both of these movies and of course you know it all being a big corporate commercial too it yeah. kind of it fits in that way as well well it's funny because like there's something like more primordial happening in these movies too where like i think of the the, the ray Kroc movie and i think of you know this movie and what i think of is um like decay i think of like uh degeneration mm -hmm. go buy a mcdonald's burger right now i don't know when's the last time you ate one but they're like, yeah. I know that this is hack. This is like a 1995 stand-up comic bit. But like, <laughs> yeah. the, the 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 food sucks. Like, right, and right. everything around us that we've been buying and that we're so nostalgic for and that we yearn for, not only has it sort of changed, and we miss the the trappings and the packaging and like the the way that we felt when we were 30 years younger, but like. We also miss it being good. Like everything well, fucking and, sucks now. Like everything and not just tastes good. bad. It's made with worse stuff. And the things <laughs> that we buy are the all the shit that we buy is worse now. You throw it away and and again, I know this is like a hack George Carlin routine from like 1995, but it's true and it's never been more true. And this like spate of movies that show this stuff, I think only highlight it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, but not just good, but also uh, the the packaging, the branding. Remember how much fun those like McDonald's buildings were and stuff like that. And now they look like condominiums or something. They're like terrible. it's so, it's so weird the way that the corporate world is like kind of changed in that way. And I I I mean, obviously a million minds go into those decisions. They must think that it's going to raise their profits somehow, and it must work. I mean, I guess I've I don't seen know. it at work, and I know exactly how it works with um. You know, that's one thing that if, you know, if, if anything happened in the, in the, in this part of the story where they talk about the creation of the seasoning, if any of it happened that way, that's a miracle to me. Um, yeah. Because the way that things happen now, I've worked inside of, you know, you, you, you know, you know, my work history, I've worked inside of large, you know, blue chip corporate organizations that um, develop, you know, that, that work in quick service restaurant and fast food and, and, um, you know, food packaging and things like that. I've worked in this world. And the way that these guys 
save face in their quarterly meetings and their annual shareholders reports is by like, if you ever look at the way that they sell chicken or the way that they sell um, beef, there's like a triple, it's like credit ratings. There's like triple A, triple A gold, triple A, A minus, you know, and it's like a thousand tiers of quality of meat. And all you, mm. and the way that these guys drive the profit margin, Dave, is that over the course of 20 years, they go from triple A gold or diamond status burgers to buying like A minus. And slowly mm. you as a consumer notice, man, this doesn't taste as good as it used to. But yeah. up there in the um in the corporate boardroom, they're like, ah, oh, you know how we did it, guys? We 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 got five percent uh greater profit returns this year, and we did it by just being a little shittier with our meat. A little shittier. A little yeah. shittier every year. Yeah. You know who's still great? In and out. But let's go to your next puzzle piece. <laughs> My next puzzle piece, I co-signed that. Um <laughs> wait, hang on. Dave, I don't even want to get off track on this, but Dave, did you know that there's like a big contingent of like in and out skeptics who say that like in and out's bad. There's like a yes. strong vocal group of assholes. It blows my mind and I, I, I'll never understand. Incredible it. choices. Um, I'm going to go for my next puzzle piece to the last time where a movie came out where we were all pretty sure that David O. Russell was still good. And that was 2015's <laughs> Joy. Joy sure. was the story of the, uh, you know, the domestic uh, houseworker, uh, uh, you know, the mom, the, um, the woman who invented just like a new type of mop, basically. It was uh, starring Jennifer Lawrence and the titular Joy character, Robert De Niro, Bradley Cooper, all trying to run it back from, um, uh, oh, what was the movie they were running it back from, Dave? Uh, uh, from American Orr Hustle. American Hustle. No, well, not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right, American Hustle. And um, this is a movie where we are presented with a deeply divergent uh, representation of what actually happened. Sure. Where yeah. it was not the way things went down where this character Joy isn't exactly the character that we're presented with in the movie. Um, but nonetheless, it, it does track with a person who ascends from this lower working class status, who's fighting against identity perceptions, in this case being like a woman in the, I guess in the 70s, it's like the 70s and 80s, right, is when Joy is happening. And yeah. uh, same time, you know, sort of contemporaneous with uh, this Mexican man who's being told to fuck off because he's an uneducated, you know, Mexican. Um, from Southern California, who with a criminal record, this woman is a uh, you know a housewife. She's deemed um, what 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 do you know, right? What do you know about corporate right. America? What do you know about product marketing? What do you know about building a business plan? And the the rejoinder from these both of these characters characters is not much, but I know about my life, and I know about my people, and I know about what what needs what 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 their needs are, and somebody mm -hmm. like me, our life. And again, two characters who. Through their own dogged determination, their inventiveness, their um, their belief in themselves, and the and the belief of the people around them in them, they're able to reach the ultimate prize, which is going from being a subject of capitalism to being an executive of capitalism, <laughs> sure, to being yeah. absorbed into that hive and into that Borg mind. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, that that's that's my number two joy. That's a, a really pretty good, good movie. I, I think unfairly maligned. Yeah, I saw it when it came out. I haven't seen it since then, but uh, I remember it being pretty good. And that's a great piece, by the way. Like, I hadn't thought of that one, but that is a perfect example of just using that seed of the truth to tell an inspiring story that is just fun and uh, a little bit for everybody, even if it's probably bullshit for the most part. Which so is, a, which is a very of, old yeah. practice in this country that I'm going to get to with my last puzzle piece, uh, just the, right. sort of presaging that. But what about you, Dave? What do you got next? All right, I'm going to talk about the food for a minute and go with John Favreau's Chef from 2014. Okay, okay. 
so much good food on screen here. Uh, you know, not just, of course, the snacks and, and Frito-Lay uh, food, but all the food at home, all the quesadillas and the, you know, mm, the, yeah. the burritos. And, and yeah, I just, I just wanted to like reach out and eat everything on the screen. And that's kind of the, the vibe that John Favreau gave us in uh, Chef, uh, a very different movie about very different things, but also about incredible food. You were the fat little bully at the beginning, huh? That wanted to eat yeah. the, bean and, the bean and cheese burrito. Give me that burrito. Did it not look great though? It, it, it was well, wrapped in the foil, and I mean, come on, it's it's, it's it's great. It's I mean, yeah. of course, it's like yeah. the the there is an, an interesting story to be told about the. There's a million interesting stories to be told, and I guess this is kind of like what Eva Longoria is staking out. It's her creative play space of the rise, the ascension, and recognition of the latino community as not just like oh you know in a cesar chavez kind of union solidarity worker type of way but in a more hate to go back to the c word but in a more capitalistic way like we are also a market we also sure. have a way of doing things and we we for a long time as a marginalized community did those things at home but hey why the fuck aren't they on the shelves why isn't yeah. corporate america making these things why aren't yeah. they catering to us we've got money shouldn't you be kissing our asses like yeah. and there is i think some some great stories to be told here and you know that yeah. kind of gets to and, that and it should be like you know stated that like you know everybody loves that food right. it's, not yeah. it's not like just it, for it's, latinos yeah. yeah exactly everybody is super into that food so yeah it, it totally makes sense to cater to that market but uh what do you have for your next piece my next piece is going back into the Q and Jewish Dave Vaults, a movie that we saw together. I believe we saw this on a um, screener back before you were of any important, not a screener. What do you call it when you get to go early to a movie? The press screening. Press screening, yeah. yeah. We yeah. got to go see this. I don't know how, I think, I guess it was through your role with Sony at the time. You were not a movie guy. You were, you mm -hmm. were a music guy at the time. You were not a recognized or celebrated podcaster. We did not in 2005 talk about podcasting as a thing mm -hmm. uh but nonetheless 25 year old me and you went and sat and spent an, a couple of hours enjoying the movie lord of war directed by andrew nickel Ooh. and starring nick cage ethan hawk jared leto uh and i want to mention he's like the 10th listed person but he is he makes the movie eamon walker who takes a star turn as i forget what his character's name is but he's supposed to be basically a version of um liberian dictator charles taylor and he's has the titular line lord of war he's like a okay, star yeah. star making even though he didn't end up being a star star making performance he has like five scenes where he comes in and he's incredible um so this was a movie that is based on the um it's an international crime drama focusing on the the, the main character yuri orlov played by nick cage a great nick cage performance um sure. playing a ukrainian american gunrunner based on a on a real life uh guy uh by the name of um victor uh arvon i think was his name or no victor bow victor bow um and i picked this movie because it's lighthearted at times it's a biopic that doesn't take itself too seriously and has fun with the details and kind mm -hmm. of reimagines intentionally reimagines some of the key moments um sure. it highlights the protagonist for whom this is a this is it, life and death for them but the stakes are actually incredibly low like they make a point if you read about if you read about the real life um victor bow character he was a big gun runner mm. but he wasn't by far by far like the only gun runner in post-soviet right. you know uh in, in the post-soviet international theater he was like just one in a million guys that were doing the same fucking thing um it's not super accurate to the story uh 
I want to ask you something though, Dave. Did you know, according to my informal internet research, that supposedly this fall they will begin filming a sequel of Lord of War, starring yeah. Bill Skarsgård as Nick Cage's son. And what a weird, what a weird project. Movie. What yeah, a like project. it's wild. I now I don't know anything about what story is being told there. Like, is there a story with with this character's son? Like, I don't is that... know. That might just they might just fully depart from that. I haven't. I didn't do any research into that. Into, but yeah. like it, enough time has passed. I mean, that this this was based. I think at the end of the movie, it's the mid to late nineties. Um, you know, and so if that guy had a son in that point, a period of time, they they do show him having a son in the movie. That would be yeah. an adult man by now. I mean, that would be a man in his thirties probably by now. Hey, that's that's legacy. Oh, right one, one other little note on that movie, Dave. Um, you remember my period of time where I, in my journalistic career, I had a couple of years where I worked in the area of international fraud, money laundering. Oh yeah. Actually, okay, so I never. I don't think I've ever told you about this, but I actually got to know the real life guy who the Ethan Hawke character was based off. Hmm. which that that character was actually an amalgamation of a few different characters but one major dude who was like this badass you know kind of like gun runner chaser and who you know that worked with um with uh with through the state department and all these different task forces and uh i um i, I don't want to mention his name but like he he was a he, he was a real guy he told me a lot of the interesting inside stories of where the truth was actually a lot stranger than the fiction in that movie I bet. I, I would not be surprised to hear that. And uh, yeah, I got to revisit that before this weird sequel comes out because it's great, but I haven't seen it. Since and you're not going to miss so. a Nick Cage movie. Oh, yeah, of course. Not, not a chance. <laughs> what do you got next, Dave? I'm going to pivot to TV for a second for Ooh, my next puzzle okay, piece. Right, good. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the one that uh, had to break um, had to, had to break, <laughs> uh, break format because I'm about for to. Sure. So. Yeah, nice. Uh, I'm going with Better Call Saul. Uh, because of how the big idea to fix everything when it seems like all hope is lost is to make a commercial and, uh, you know, just get all the favors in from all the buddies in the neighborhood. And there also happens to be drug dealers and gangsters involved in making that. And, uh, it's just all about advertising to the community. And that is what Saul did and what he did so great and how he ended up building his business up in, uh, in Better Call Saul and makes advertising into such a fun montage of a sequence yeah i mean this is dear listener the one thing you don't know about your host um david rosen is his eternal cynicism born out of a life of trying to get people to pay attention to things (laughs) and uh and it has infected every iota of, of of his being every project that he um that that he vets or like everybody consider- check out the pup pups out check out the pup pups <laughs> I could I could tell you Dave tomorrow I could tell you I could tell Dave I have been gifted the intellectual property rights to the 1964 character made by Stanley Spider-Man I've been given the exclusive rights to Spider-Man and I, I have ideas Dave here's my business plan of what we can do with this intellectual property and Dave's rejoinder would be but who's gonna watch it who's gonna care nobody wants to see it and it doesn't matter what it is so like yes I would imagine that a scene like in this movie in Flame and Hot where um the the character harnesses the uh community power to advertise and market his project would fall on pretty deaf ears or maybe incredibly meaty squishy ears of, of Dave I, I would I definitely think that you probably kind of 
perked up a little bit when you saw that scene. Like, that's yeah. bullshit. Nobody would do that. <laughs> Nobody uh, would care about those chips. Nobody would download those chips. It's a work of fiction, and it's really fun. So. <laughs> What do you got for your next piece? Dave, speaking of the concept of intellectual property, what's your feeling about your guests playing little live punks of, of audio uh, like on, on, your, on your show? Will it come through? I, I don't even know. It'll come know. through. Watch this. So, um, so my, next, uh, my next puzzle piece is from The Wire, season one, episode two. The title of the episode is called The Detail. This was um, you know, first aired in 2002, directed by Clark Johnson, written by David Simon and Ed Burns. And in the scene, you're going to see the specific scene I want to point out is, is um, it, it, there's, I mean, a huge cast of characters in The Wire, but this one specifically is with Lawrence Gillier Jr., J.D. Williams as the iconic uh, Bodie Broadus, a, a well-known character, um, well, you know, well-loved by the, the this huge fandom of this show, uh, Trey Chaney as Poot, and a baby-faced Michael B. Jordan as Wallace. Mm. So, um this scene that I'm going to show you is the famed chicken nugget scene, which was uh, kind of a coming out moment for what turned out to be one of the best, in my opinion, the best TV show of all time. So I'm going to show you this right now. Man, these shits is right, yo. Mmm, mmm. Mm. Good with the hot sauce, too, though. Most definitely. Yo, dude, you want some nuggets? Nah, go ahead, man. Man, we haven't finished these. Oh, he off the hook. What? Mm. I got the bone all the way out the damn chicken. Till he came along, niggas been chewing on drumsticks and shit, getting their fingers all greasy. He said, later for the bone. Snug at that meat up and make some real Snug at that meat up. You think the man got pain? Oh. Man, who invented these? Shit, you richer than a motherfucker. Why? You think you get a percentage? Why not? Nigga, please. The man who invented them things, just some sad ass down at the basement of McDonald's. Picking up some shit to make some money for the real player. Nah, man, that ain't right. Fuck right. It ain't about right, it's about money. Now you think Ronald McDonald gonna go down that basement and say, hey, Mr. Nugget, you the bomb. We selling chicken faster than you can tear the bone out. So I'm gonna write my clowny ass name on this fat ass check for you. And the nigga who invented them things, still working in the basement for regular wage, thinking of some shit to make the fries taste better, some shit like that. Believe. Still have the idea, though. And One the Ronald favorite. McDonald of Frito-Lay did go down and use the idea, <laughs> so it kind of worked out here in Flamin' Hot. All-time all time favorite scene from The Wire. One of the like top five. The, 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 awesome. the way that these kids from the bottom rung of capitalism, the way that they can look upwards and be the, such keen observers sure. of the way yeah. that the world is. And they are not, um, you know, the, 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 the Gilliard character there is, um, you know, uh, D'Angelo Barksdale. And he's, he's like the elder statesman at the ripe old age of like 18 in that scene. And <laughs> sure. these are like, you know, early teenagers uh, that he's talking to. And the way that they, um, they, they, they haven't been fully disabused yet of like exactly how fucked up the system is that the, the and again later in later seasons they come to use this this uh phrase that becomes very famous with the wire the game is rigged mm -hmm. the only way to win is not to play and the way that it's rigged against them against people like uh richard montanez broadly the way that it's rigged against working people lower class people and the understanding of that and seeing that um i think it's something that flaming hot dances around and doesn't address 
directly, but I was really, um, I was reminded of this scene when we were, when I was watching that movie. Yeah. I mean, it's there in every scene of the movie. It's just, they don't explicitly go into it because, you know, they want to keep things light and fun and feel good and whatnot. But, but yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a great scene and definitely fits really well here. Isn't it so fun to see like a young, uh, Michael B. Jordan? I know. Little baby Michael B. Jordan. That's wild. (laughs) What do you got? Well, I will go, uh, so to the point of this being a, uh, like a feel good crowd pleaser, um, the Frito-Lay factory, uh, and all its hierarchies and strict rules. We also get Matt Walsh, uh, of UCB here, which me and Q used to watch constantly back in the day, but, uh, always smile when he shows up in something. I know he's great, but, um, it, it feels like a prison almost the way that the whole structure of the whole place is. And if it was a prison, Clarence, this older black dude who knows the ins and outs of everything, he's the smartest guy there, but he's been stuck there forever. And he takes this new guy under his wing and imparts all this wisdom on him. A lot like Shawshank Redemption and Morgan okay. Freeman's character. The so that that is my puzzle character. piece. Yeah, the magical black character. Yeah, I mean he he's such a cool dude though, and uh, and he really like kind of shows Richard the way. So he's totally uh, in that that kind of uh, character arc. Yeah, and then in many ways, uh, Richard surpasses him, which uh-huh. you know again, Richard is supposed to be the analog for our story. The only different the, the um the sort of like the the stand in for the audience in, in the story. So, um, I, I love how they just kind of like gloss over the fact that it's like at one point it's like 1990. And they're like, oh, he can't be the boss because he's black. And it's like, what the fuck? Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) This guy can't get literally can't get promoted because he's a black guy in 1990. I mean, I know America is like an an, an intrinsically racist, like deeply, you know, uh, systemically racist place. But like, I feel like there were bosses that were black in the 90s that were like maybe a few like chief (laughs) diversity officer or something. I mean, like, fuck, let him be in charge of operations or whatever. But like. That's that's yeah. I, I was I was a little taken aback by that. Although I don't I don't doubt that 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 is probably a true part of the story. Yeah, most likely. So you said you got one more piece. I do, Dave, and I'm jumping all over media because I just went from movies to television in my last uh my last one. Now I'm going to literature, and I'm going to Ooh. invoke for my next puzzle piece, um, probably the most accurate and the actual real puzzle piece, the real uh genesis of a of a movie like this and all media like this which is the collected work uh works of late 19th century american young uh young young adult author horatio alger all of horatio alger's books um most famously known if you do if you ever did get like subjected to any horatio alger because it's not good um Mm. if you ever got uh sort of like subjected to any of it you you know the (laughs) again when we were like in like seventh grade we would laugh at this but the, the book ragged dick uh, was his most famous one. Um, right. Strive and Succeed, Tattered Tom, Luck and Pluck. Uh, these are sort of like penny pulpy novels from the, you know, from like his his time frame was like the 1860s to the 1890s. The last 20 years of his career were really bad. Like he just got very iterative and just kept writing the same story over and over. But this is where we get like the new, our understanding of like newsies and understanding of like the, it, interestingly, no novel, no movies have ever been adapted from any Horatio Alger books. Oh, and he weird. wrote over a hundred novels, which is not that weird because they're bad. They're really okay. bad. And the only way to really do a good adaptation, especially now in like in the in, in the twenty first century, would be to subvert them and do like a spin on them. That's like you know, mm. um, because what these 
books were was propaganda. These books were really, and I, you know, I hate to say that about Flame and Hot, but it is a type of pop propaganda and capitalism apologia where it's saying like, oh, you bust your ass hard enough and you can go from being the newsboy standing right. in front of the, you know, selling the newspapers with your like soot on your face to one day owning the newspaper, right? And it was made, all this, all this stuff was being pushed um, with this pro-capitalist message and not coincidentally at the, at the, at the rise of the American robber baron, the Fords and the, you know, the, the Rockefellers. Um, this was meant to sh like kind of obscure what we can all see, what the kids in that episode of The Wire saw very clearly, which is that the game's rigged. You're fucked sure. if you're on the lower end of this. And that the only way out is to come together as a community, come, to come together together, you know, with each other. This whole genre of Horatio Alger type of novels was saying no 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 what matters is you the individual you're the person that can pull yourself out by your bootstraps um you know out of your circumstances um and it came those also, books are probably really popular right now incredible. With a lot of people they would, they would probably be <laughs> well what, what what kind of subverted it is that they, if you read them now they're kind of dumb and right. they're yeah. missing an, an element of like sort of philosophical engagement that uh was filled about 50 years afterwards by Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand mm, books sure. became the sort of yeah. natural outgrowth of that, which uh, were for grownups. They're for grownups. These books were for for kids to like be like, yeah, my life fucking sucks, but um, look at this. Look at Ragged Dick. Ragged Dick figured his <laughs> life out. And if he can do it, anyone can do it. And it also, not coincidentally, came at the time right at the advent of, um, you know, going back to this topic, you, the, 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 the rise of the labor union, the rise of organized labor, the rise of, you know, solidarity. And, and um, you know, when these books were written, there was no such thing as a weekend. We didn't have mm -hmm. a weekend. And yeah, unions yeah. got that for us. There wasn't such thing as vacation time. Unions got that for us. Um, and very conveniently alighted in the movie that we're talking about. By the way, um, uh, Horatio Alger was a, a man who was, like, sadly, you know, closeted his whole life, but was also a pedophile. So, like. Mm. That, that 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 bears some mentioning too don't read horatio alger stuff it's trash it's i just it's 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 at the core it's at the yeah. heart of the project of what this movie is about which is big corporations telling us that we can make it to if we just strive hard enough work hard enough and sacrifice enough and us and, and like trying to obscure us with these really feel-good tales obscure the reality that like man this poor guy all he had to do was create 10 billion dollars of revenue to get a director position, an yeah. upper middle level management position. All he had to do was fucking literally make more money than God for this company. Yeah. In order speaking to of God, speaking of God, you also have to find God in the process. That way that gives you a little leg up. So, you know, I could have gone without that. That's, inter that's interesting. That's <laughs> interesting. Let's talk about that. I want to unpack that a second before we get to, I guess you have probably one more puzzle piece. Sure. But yeah. I want to unpack that piece because I, I kind of just eschewed that and threw that to the side the whole religious angle um did you okay i maybe was giving it too much credit or too much grace where what i the way that i absorbed that move that that whole part of the movie is that he ultimately he richard montanez ultimately forgave his father uh in spite of his father's use of religion as a crutch because i never felt like richard actually became some like Bible thumper, like his dad mm. had become following his abusive youth right, as, as a younger man. 
Uh, yeah. And and I, I feel like what the message was supposed to be was that, you know, in spite of this guy's flaws and his, you know, religiosity, religion was something that he had to kind of step away from and move away from in order to come together with his son. Um, but maybe I misread that. This movie was a really weird duality, man, where yeah. I wasn't always sure what they were trying to say. Religion is good or it's bad. This guy's using it as a crutch or he's actually right. Richard yeah. needs to come to him to, you know, see the light of the God. And I saw it in a totally different way, actually, because I saw it more as uh, strengthening his connection with his wife, because his wife felt that it was so important to have that spirituality. And, like, she's obviously, like, his partner and everything. And, like, yeah. you know, that's another Maybe thing I that we... It. Maybe I, I misread know. it because I thought it was the wife trying to keep his dad in his life. I thought oh, it was, like... Interesting. Because, like, the, the, the line that I thought was very profound when she told the dad... Why don't you stop pretending? I'm paraphrasing again, but it's, it was basically like, why don't you stop pretending that you're a changed man and a different man? Why don't you come back to his life when you've actually changed and right. when you're ready to be his dad? And because he was still a prick through the whole adult right. Richard scenes where, where adult Richard, you know, was no longer being smacked around by his dad who had found God after, you know, a tumultuous early life. Right. And so it took like, I almost feel like the movie, I, that was, I was giving it credit for saying like, oh, this guy found God, but he's still the same asshole until right. he really changed. And yeah, uh, but again, maybe I was giving it too much credit. Yeah. I, I like giving the movie credit. I think it's, uh, it's nice, but yeah. uh, you know what? Your, your Horatio Alger book uh, puzzle piece is a good uh, setup for my next one. Cause I, I feel like it kind of fits with the same vibe. Uh, the Will Smith movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. Oh, uh, perfect. Yes. Yeah. You, Dave, you completely absorbed what Horatio Alger is about. It's, yes. it's Pursuit of Happiness is exactly like modern day Horatio Alger capitalism apologia. Yes. Yeah, exactly. If you just work hard, get that, that internship unpaid and, and get shit on for many, many years, you will eventually have an okay life or maybe even make it to the top. Dave, like you, brought, you brought up the idea that the Matt Walsh, Walsh character in this. Same thing in, in, in uh, Pursuit of Happiness and same thing in Alger. Alger was very well known for and critiqued for creating these stock characters that he would just pull out and change their names and change some of the de details of, about them. But there was the the racist, the the hater, the guy who was like, you know, the middle manager that wouldn't let you go above, right? right. And that's the same thing Pursuit of Happiness does. And that shit is sinister because mm -hmm. what it does is it turns... The, the strictures, the screws of our system that keep us down, it turns them into these discrete individuals. Oh, They're it's bosses. Just, yeah, it's some bosses, some asshole's fault that, you know, that Will Smith's character kept getting, you know, shit on through that whole movie. It's a bunch of, it's not a systemic thing. Oh, no, 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 no. The system's right. fine. You just got to find your place in it. And, and don't let yourself be dragged down by all these jerks, these individual jerks that are trying to keep you from becoming yourself you just come up with a billion dollar idea yeah. <laughs> or in the case of that guy a billion dollar fucking scam of like you know uh, what, what, did the, what was that guy's thing he was like a, the black tony robbins right he right, was just, right yeah, yeah. yeah like come up with your own hustle or and 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 you know but we never 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 address the actual systemic reason why you were born into this situation or why it perpetuates you know generation after generation that's a great pull man right on well, we'll close out the puzzle pieces with that one, and let's do the finished puzzle, and then we'll get into some closing comments. Uh, we talked about Norma Ray, the founder, Joy, Chef, Lord of War, Better Call Saul, The Wire, 
the Shawshank Redemption, Horatio Alger books, and The Pursuit of Happiness. I'll throw in there as a little bonus. Uh, we do get those um, scenes where Richard is uh, telling the story of what other people are saying, and we're seeing the other people acting while he's telling the story, very much like Michael Pena in the uh, Ant-Man movies, which, where was Michael <laughs> okay, Pena okay. in Ant-Man 3? Come on, man. Where was Michael Pena in this movie? He Hasn't he been in all of Ava Longoria's movies? I think so, but I, I'm, I'm not sure about that. So, But uh, yeah, I mean, he's great, though. So Yeah, yeah. he was in Chavez, which was not an Ava Longoria movie, but uh, Cesar Chavez was a great example of what we're talking about. Like, that yeah. that, that that was a more, I don't know if it was an independent movie, but it sure felt like an indie. Um, and, like, they didn't... <sighs> There's such a long, rich, fruitful history... For the last 100, 150 years of Mexican um, struggle, labor struggles, right? Mm -hmm. Going back to Cesar Chavez, even before. And that that never even was invoked. That this this character didn't have like some moment of awakening when he was doing all this learning about how business works and how to do a pitch and how to, you know, educating himself, trying to gentrify himself, basically. Make himself yeah. fit, fit for the gentry. Make himself... Um, assimilate that he never came across the story of a, a, another Mexican man and this enormous um, struggle that he led and this and it, it's like it's 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 almost conspicuous by its absence that all of it and it's like it, it just makes you think if you even if you're a 43 year old man that has like a little bit of knowledge of this stuff or 43 year old person who's who's learned about it it makes you think like why are you guys talking about that Oh yeah, right. it's Disney. Like you're right. not gonna talk about the importance of you know organizing labor and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain lens you have to watch a movie like this through, or else it just all falls apart. But obviously, we were both able to watch it through that lens because we both had a good time with it. I really enjoyed it. My daughter loved it. We, you know, uh, we, it, it spurred a lot of fun conversations. We did the thing that you know when you have a little kid that you do a lot with in, in movies that you watch at home, which is great. Which is you pause and talk about things, mm -hmm. and um, that's how you know it's a really good movie when you have to pause it a few times and like talk about like, oh yeah, well, why do you think you did that? What would you have done there? You know, would you have you know, <laughs> would you would you have been mad? Like, and the, it was funny the way that they sort of portrayed this like real casual racism like where the where the woman in the food stamp office is like why'd you have another kid you know uh, like yeah. you, it's just like it's it's really kind of fucked up but um yeah we really enjoyed it and um my critiques are all from like a fucking egg-headed place like they're all right, from a place sure. of, of you know like academia or whatever like yeah it, it was a good movie um well dave can we rank yes right now the 2023 yes. product movies can I, I absolutely your take? can. Have you yes. have you done a take? I haven't listened. I haven't heard. I haven't heard you make a take on this trend yet. Have well, you? Do you have a take about the product movie trend? I I don't know what to make of it. Why this has happened? And like, really, there's the main four, but there were others too. There was a pinball movie which I haven't seen. It kind of went under the radar. And I think that there's uh there's that Pop Tarts movie coming in like Gran Turismo is coming out. Gran Turismo kind of fits the bill as well. Like it, it's a really weird moment. The Blackberry we're going movie, Barbie. Yeah. Well, it, I guess That's yeah, Barbie. I guess would fit, but uh, Blackberry definitely. Yeah, Barbie's I, not about the actual product. Although the yeah. more scenes that we're seeing in the trailers now, I think that it actually might end up being about the product. It, it might. They pulled back in the more recent trailers a little bit of the like we don't stay in that in the movie. I guess the big question was always like, oh, is it a dream? Is it the you know something? Right. But and now we see that it's it's it, like at least part of the movie occurs in the real world, and right, exactly. where Barbie is an iconic 
Mattel product. It's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, the main four, though, are Flamin' Hot, Air, Blackberry, and Tetris. Those are those yeah. are the ones that we're all talking about here. And I actually, now, now that we've recorded this, I've covered all four of them on the podcast. And, uh, you know, I can't Wait, you separate... Don't you, don't count, you don't count Mario? Man, Mario's a big... That's just IP, right? That's yeah, not, it's just IP, just IP but yeah. it, it's fun though. But uh, I, I can't separate my nostalgia from Tetris. It is my favorite of the four. It's mm. just such a fun movie, and the nostalgia factor just absolutely kills me. But BlackBerry otherwise would be the top of the list. Um, BlackBerry is surprisingly fantastic. Glenn Howerton is so good in that movie, and uh, Air is great. You know, Air comes right in just below it, and then this would be at the bottom. But I, you know, like we've said, I still liked it a lot. How about this trend, the, 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 you know, the, the output in terms of movies and TV shows or whatever of this trend right now versus last year's bad tech founder trend where it was like all everything was about some shithead that founded some horrible company that fucked people over and was like built up to be a god and turned out to be a complete asshole. Or whatever. Well, that, that's funny because to me last year was uh, celebrated filmmakers uh, focusing in on their childhoods. And oh, the yeah, love and power too. of cinema, you know, like that was the big thing last year. But yeah, I don't know. These things, they go in ways. I mean, remember we had two, uh, you know, uh, giant impact asteroid movies in one year. We mm-hmm. had you know, like these volcano things happen. Movies. Remember the two yeah. volcano movies that came yep. out? Oh, there was like two or three. It's um, weird when these things happen. They, they, it just happens sometimes. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This was, this was a surprisingly good run of these true product stories. And uh I don't know that I want more of them at this point, but uh, the fact that all four of them were good is pretty wild. The best thing I've seen from the these this collection of movies that we're talking about right now is the scene. And again, this was where, and I'll say it again, um, Eva Longoria goes right up to the edge of this commentary without actually making it. And, the, and it was the scene between um, Dolores Jordan uh, on the phone with Matt Damon's Sonny Vaccaro in air uh-huh. where, you know, she asks for a percentage of the, uh, of the, you know, for, on behalf of her son, Michael Jordan, um, Viola Davis, right? That was Viola Davis. Yeah. 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 And, um, where Viola Davis's character, Dolores Jordan asks on behalf of her son, she's really running, you know, the business for him, uh, a, a percentage for all future Jordan, um, uh, apparel that gets sold and from the perspective of 2023 we we realize what a huge ask that is oh We're yeah like oh my god you're asking for 10 billion dollars yeah. basically <laughs> and like um and sure and and there's this waffling there's you know this this back and forth and then at one point the two characters it's a very well written scene um where they drop the pretenses specifically matt matt um uh sunny vaccaro matt uh, matt damon's character drops the pretenses and says look they're never gonna let working people like us have this you mm-hmm. have to understand and like know your place. And she, Dolores Short, makes a great point where she says, well, every once in a while, somebody comes along who has an ex- who's exceptional and can change those things. And I felt like there was room in this movie for Richard Montañez to be that guy, this re- exceptional guy who has a, a deep abiding love and understanding of his community and also one foot in the corporate arena as like somebody who can realize that understanding and make it happen on a corporate level so that his community is you know less marginalized by corporate America, his, his fellow workers who we never see again. Right. Yeah. A lot of those people, when he gets handed the keys to his office, they're not there. Right. right. 
They're not with him. They're not alongside of him. Those guys in the yard in the first uh, act that are like, you know, his buddies who are helping him get, you know, get the job at Frito-Lay. We don't see them ever again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas today, uh, you know, John Morant comes into the league, into the NBA, and it's standard fare for him to say, oh, no, if you're going to put out a John Morant sneaker, it better have my, I better be getting a percentage. If you're sure. going to put out a Tracy McGrady sneaker, you're going to be putting out a Kyrie Irving sneaker. All those guys, it's very rational. Thanks to Michael Jordan, the one exceptional guy. It's rational and it's, it's standard practice, forget about rational, for them to ask for a percentage. Now, mm-hmm. what happens to the brilliant ideas today that come out of Frito-Lay, PepsiCo, that come from the, the you know, working ranks? I mean, do they get just kind of like digested and turned into propaganda like this? Or do they change things for not just the guy who came up with the idea, but everybody who comes subsequent to him? I don't know. Right. I think that's an open question. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely an interesting point. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's hard to say also like where these kind of stories, like do these kind of stories still happen at all? Like in, in the world that we're in right now. Yeah, and, or or is corporate America so bloodless at this point right. that, they, that, that, that they just, you know, get regurgitated as press releases or something yeah. like that, you know? <laughs> well, uh, Q, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? <laughs> I mentioned it at the beginning, but like I have... A little indie flick that nobody's seen. I think it's called Across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> no, but I, I, I just want to say um, there's a lot of stuff I've been watching lately. But we, I went to the movie theater yesterday and I saw uh, um, Across the, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, with, with, again, with my kid. Because a lot of my daytime viewing is all kid-oriented. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm overstating it. But I, I, this is the best piece of, of intellectual property that's come out from Marvel or DC ever. Ever. Yeah, it's better than Spider-Man Two back in two thousand. It's better mm-hmm. than um, I don't know what is the other like prestige Logan, like mm-hmm. Old Man Logan or whatever. The, the what was it? Was it just called Logan? It was just called Logan. Yeah, yeah. The, the comic book was called Old Man Logan, which I remember. Uh, I don't know what whatever your favorite is. If you're a if you're like so, like some of our frequent co-hosts, uh. Batman versus Superman fan, whatever. Uh-huh. I don't care. Whatever your favorite thing is, this is better. This yeah. is a a profoundly incredible movie. I know I'm not breaking news by saying that, but like, wow, what a fucking film. What a yeah. movie. Uh, and I'm still thinking about it. I saw it at this point about 24 hours ago, and I'm, st- I'm still thinking about it, so. Yeah, no, it's great. Great recommendation, although I'm sure everybody has seen it already, but uh, definitely go see it if you haven't, for sure. Yeah. Q, what is going on with Why Are We Like This right now? Why Are We Like This? The most recent episode, Why Are We Like This? The true crime podcast that treats Florida like the uh, active crime scene it is, uh, you know, where we explore why Florida is the way that it is. Um, Our most recent episode is very Miami-focused. If you're a film fan, you're going to like it because our guest is um, frequent guest and collaborator, uh, Billy Corbin, whose name you might know as the director of Cocaine Cowboys, the director of, um, you know, no shortage of, of 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 um hulu and hbo documentaries series a lot of stuff uh the u if you're a sports fan um he did the u and the u part two um you know one of uh, america's foremost documentarians and billy and i and thomas kennedy my co-host and gerald doherty my other co-host we talk about a lot of recent fuckery down here in the city of miami and corruption and uh a four uh, a 60 with uh, a 63 million dollar um judgment levied against a uh, a civil judgment levied against one of our city commissioners down here for 
intentionally undercutting people's businesses and out of political retribution and revenge and um, a lot of sordid, dirty shit. So check that out and uh, and subscribe to us while you're at it. Awesome. Q, it's been too long since you've been on the show. I'm happy to have you back. Thanks again for doing it. Of course. I love you. Do you love rom-coms? Do you wish you could talk about Christmas movies year-round? Then we have the perfect podcast for you, Hallmarkies Podcast. Throughout the year, we cover all things romance, holiday, and Hallmark, including recaps of every Hallmark show, like When Calls the Heart and The Way Home. You can also get loads of bonus content covering shows like Bridgerton, Sweet Magnolias, and, and just like that. We are an all-female group of friends who are passionate for these shows and movies and give our honest opinions as well as gush over what we love so much. But that's not all. Every Monday, there are interviews with all your favorite actors, writers, directors, and more. Check out Hallmarkies Podcast on all your podcast providers and on YouTube. That's Hallmarkies Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Q about Flamin' Hot. Thanks, everyone out there for listening. And if you enjoy the show, make sure you are subscribed. Wherever it is that you're listening right now, hit that subscribe or that follow button or, I don't know, maybe it's a little plus sign or something. Whatever it is, hit that button. And maybe drop a five-star rating and review. I'd really appreciate it if you did that. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And... Uh, we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. I've got a lot of stuff on the way there now that we just got through uh, these live shows and got the Pup Pups album ready and all this other stuff that I've been working on. Now it's time to prep some extra bonus content for the Patreon, so it's a great time to sign up. There's going to be a lot of extra stuff on there in the coming weeks. So again, it's patreon.com slash by David Rosen. That's the produced by David Rosen Patreon, and I do appreciate your support. And speaking of my music, let's close this out with a piece of music like I always do. And I'm going to go with something called How to Start a Fire from my most recent album, More Content, because fire and flaming hot kind of goes together. So yeah, let's play How to Start a Fire. Again, this is from my most recent album, More Content. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with more piecing it together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.